Please pray with me. Lord, be with Claire Arcadi. Pray that you would give her peace and strength right now. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them, and he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. You may be seated. Two minutes and eight seconds. That's exactly how long it took for us to get from the end of our Palm Sunday procession to the he is despised of Isaiah. I know because I timed it. A year ago, Dr. Adam Wood called today's liturgy jarring, and I couldn't agree more. Talk about liturgical whiplash. One moment, our children are happily scattering palm leaves and rose petals on the ground as they parade around us. And the next moment, we look up, come to our senses, and realize that the floor is splattered with blood. We're not processing into Jerusalem. We've gathered at Golgotha, and we've got blood on our hands. Fortunately, this week, our liturgical calendar will slow down and we'll have an opportunity to meditate on our Lord's passion and our role in it in real time. But today, celebrating the triumphal entry alongside the passion narrative, the focus seems to be on our rapid and collective turning away from God. This rejection takes a million different forms. Some fall asleep while he tells us to keep watch. Some betray him with a kiss on the cheek. Some deny him again and again and again, and some run away. But we all do it. Has the human race ever stood in greater solidarity? Has the whole of humanity ever been more united in purpose than at the moment when the people cry crucify him? This one must die. On that we all agree. This morning I want to reflect with you on today's jarring liturgy as history, metaphor, and event. That is, I want to talk first about an early account of Palm Sunday. Then I want to talk about what the compression of the triumphal entry and the passion narrative into an hour-long worship service stands for. And third, I want to talk about what actually happened this morning as our children paraded around us. History, metaphor, event. What do we know about Palm Sunday's past? What does it represent? What does it do? First, history lesson. The procession of palms is a very ancient practice, very old. According to Philip Fadiker, today was called Palm Sunday as early as the end of the 7th century in Latin. But the procession of palms goes back even further. Probably as early as the 380s, a woman named Egeria, or Etheria, made a pilgrimage from what is now modern Spain or France to Jerusalem. And she wrote a letter to other women back home. The letter is sometimes called the Peregrinatio of Etheria, the Pilgrimage of Etheria. And it's one of the oldest records of pilgrimage that we have. It was lost for around 700 years, and it contains a lot of gaps. But it does tell us a lot about what was going on during Holy Week in the 4th century. According to Egeria's count of Palm Sunday, the people gathered with the bishop at the Mount of Olives for hymns and lessons. And then they journeyed together, singing hymns to the site of the Lord's ascension. 
At this point, everybody sat down. You sat down in the presence of the bishop, except for the deacons. They remained standing. And there were more hymns and readings and prayers. Now I'm going to read a little bit from Egeria's letter. And I want you to try to picture the scene in your mind's eye. As the 11th hour approaches, the passage from the gospel is read where the children carrying branches and palms met the Lord, saying, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And the bishop immediately rises, and all the people with him, going before him with hymns and antiphons, answering one another, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, here's my favorite part. And all the children of the neighborhood, even those who are too young to walk, are carried by their parents on their shoulders, all of them bearing branches, some of palms and some of olives, and thus the bishop is escorted in the same manner as was the Lord of old. Isn't that great? She continues, For even those of rank, matrons and men, accompany the bishop all the way on foot, people of rank, on foot in this manner, making these responses from the top of the mount to the city and through the whole city to the Anastasis, the site of the resurrection, going very slowly, lest the people be wearied. And thus they arrive at the Anastasis at a late hour. And on, on arriving, although it's late, lucinare takes place. This is a service of the lamps, a lighting of candles. Lucinare takes place with prayer at the cross, after which the people are dismissed. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful image. You see what's going on here? From, the, from its very earliest days, Palm Sunday has long previewed the entire week ahead. The waving of palms leads to a candlelit vigil at the cross. It's little wonder that at some point in its history, Palm Sunday came to be called the Sunday of the Passion as well. In the procession, those of rank humble themselves by joining in. And I just love the fact that even the smallest, even those who can't walk, have always been part of this celebration. Today, our children join not only with other children around the world, but with countless generations of children, all declaring, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's the largest and longest-running children's choir in history. <laughs> okay, that's your history lesson. Now let's turn to Palm, the Palm Sunday liturgy as metaphor. What does today's jarring liturgy stand for? Lots of answers to this question, but one of them is surely our propensity to sin. We're quick to join in the shouts of praise, but we're even quicker to cry out for Barabbas' release. I'm aware of this propensity most acutely on Sunday mornings. Doesn't take me long, no time at all, really, to forget my confession of sin Forget that I've partaken in the Lord's life-giving body. Forget the passing of the peace. The car door shuts. The Beitlers drive out of the parking lot. I'm all smiles. And then old Jim's back. <laughs> Self-centered, proud, despairing, quick to defend myself, especially when I'm wrong. Quick to say I'm sorry, but. I'm sorry, but. Ungenerous with my time and resources, concerned too much with what other people think. Well, the speed of our liturgy captures the speed with which we turn away. We turn our palm branches into crosses in the blink of an eye. But the speed of King Jesus' great procession from the gates of Jerusalem to Golgotha in today's service 
doesn't just speak to our propensity to sin. It's also, of course, a sign of the heights and depths of our Lord's great love for us. For the procession into and out of Jerusalem points to a longer and greater procession, as Paul reminds us in his magnificent hymn in Philippians. The nave here stands for the entire universe. The Lord and maker of all things, though he was in the very form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant. Ride on, King Jesus. Right on, indeed, into your creation as a baby, beneath the baptismal waters, down the mountain of transfiguration, into and then out of the holy city, to the place of the skull, onto the cross, under the weight of the world's sin, and dead. And yet, King Jesus rides on, lowered from the cross, shut in the tomb, low in the grave. And he rides on, down even to the realm of the dead. Reflecting on uh, Christ's downward journey, C.S. Lewis writes in his book, Miracles, that no seed ever fell from so fair a tree into so dark and cold a soil as would furnish more than a faint analogy to this huge descent and reascension in which God dredged the salt and oozy bottom of creation. Thanks be to God. Because by doing so, King Jesus is able to undertake yet another procession. This one also symbolized by today's procession. Yet another metaphor. Our reenactment of Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem represents his procession into our very lives. In Egeria's account, the bishop served as a stand-in for Christ. He was escorted in the same manner as the Lord, Lord was of old. And since Egeria's time, Palm Sunday processions have represented Jesus' presence in many different ways. Here's what Philip Fadiker says. In the early Middle Ages, the focus of the procession was on the book of the Gospels, representing the presence of Christ. It was later supplemented by carrying holy relics. In England and Normandy, the focus was on the host itself, Christ present among his processing people. And in Germany, this is my favorite one, a palmacell, a wooden donkey on wheels with the figure of Jesus on its back portrayed the Lord's presence and was wheeled in. I don't think we're going to get a palmacell. I don't know about you, but I think this, I, I just love these traditions. The point here is, though, that Jesus is not just coming to Jerusalem, but into us. In the procession of palms, It's as if our nave comes to symbolize the human heart. If you and I are willing, Christ will enter into us, dredging the oozy bottom of our hearts and softening what has grown hard and brittle, a more perfect version of what our children have just done by circulating around us and filling us with joy. In this way, our Palm Sunday liturgy serves as a kind of echo of Paul's prayer to the Christians at Ephesus. The procession is a prayer that Christ may dwell in our hearts, that we may be filled with the fullness of God. Don't get me wrong. Our liturgy today isn't just a metaphor for our individual sin or for Christ's entrance into our hearts. This parade is also theopolitical. It's a theopolitical symbol. It symbolizes a dramatic clash 
between all the kingdoms and structures of this world and the kingdom of our God. N.T. Wright observes that an increasingly common interpretation of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem is to see that, see that event as not only the staged fulfillment of Zechariah 9, lo, your king comes riding on a donkey, but also as a deliberate parody of the regular entry into Jerusalem of Pontius Pilate on horseback, surrounded by soldiers, coming from his quarters in Caesarea. Unquote. Two powers descending on the holy city. Jesus descending in love, kenosis, self-emptying love on a donkey. Pilate descending, bearing down on the people on a horse. Jesus' entry into Jerusalem was everything that Pilate's was not. Not proud, humble. Not militant, peaceable. Not injuring, pardoning. Not self-serving, but self-giving. Whether or not the triumphal entry was a parody of Pilate, make no mistake about it. The first procession of palms was a theopolitical declaration, one radically out of step with the earthly powers. In this respect, it's fitting that our little ones take center stage today as they have done in ages past. Like those people who welcomed Jesus to Jerusalem on the first Palm Sunday, most of whom were probably peasants, our children are some of the most vulnerable members of our community. They need us to survive and thrive. They don't have all the rights and responsibilities that come with adulthood. They are, therefore, wonderful representatives of a kingdom whose inheritance lies with the meek. Wonderful representatives of a power made perfect in weakness. In this liturgy, then, we see our propensity to sin, the depths of God's love, Christ's entrance into our hearts, and the startling power of our servant king. Okay, that's the metaphors. Now let's turn to today's liturgy as a vent. What actually happened this morning as our children paraded around us? For one thing, And here I'm drawing on a bit of Kevin Van Hooser's writings. Our procession of palms was a dramatization of the gospel in which our children, the players, reenacted a story from the Bible, the script, with the help of the parents, teachers, clergy, the directors. It was a tender and pretty adorable performance. But it wasn't only a performance. Rather, our children were actually participating in the proclamation of the gospel. They worshiped and witnessed to our Lord. I think, I mean, it's a pretty obvious point, but it's a really encouraging point. They not only played their part, they did their part as witnesses to the good news of Jesus Christ. But there's another answer to the question about what happened today. Even our, as our liturgy was a representation of the triumphal entry, it was also its continuation. The procession of our Lord didn't stop when he dismounted the donkey, nor did it stop at his death or at his resurrection or at his ascension. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, Jesus tells us, there I am among them. The Father sends us the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name, and the Spirit of God continues the procession in and through us, members of his body, as we process in and through the entire world. Don't you know, Paul writes, that you yourselves are God's temple 
and the God, that God's spirit dwells in your midst. Today, even as we reenacted the procession of Jesus into Jerusalem, we participated in the procession of the spirit of God, which brooded over the faces, face of the water at creation, inspired the prophets, overshadowed the tabernacle, and Mary descended on Jesus as a dove at his baptism, filled him up as he came up out of the Jordan River, and descended on his disciples as of tongues of fire. I know we're a long way from Pentecost, but let us acknowledge that in the procession of palms, the spirit was present, moving in and among us and our children. It's as if a fresh breeze burst through those double doors and rushed into and around the room. The spirit of God is present here, now. This nave doesn't just stand for the heart of the body of Christ. It's also a bit like two lungs. It's full to bursting with the very breath of life. Today, the procession of God continues. And so ride on, King Jesus. Grant us the grace to follow you, remembering this week your crucifixion and death, and waiting once again for that moment when the air rushes back into your lungs and the breath of life returns to you. And one day, may we, sh- may we sharing in your resurrection life, rise together with generations and generations of children to declare Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Amen.